Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. In this episode, Tampa Bay Business Journal editor Alexis Milner welcomes outgoing University of Tampa President Ron Vaughn to reflect on his career and the future of the UT campus he rebuilt over the past 28 years. Dr. Ron Vaughn, it's wonderful to have you here. Welcome to the Florida Business Minds podcast. Thank you. Pleased to be here. So you are in year 28 as the University of Tampa president. It's an incredible legacy. Earlier this summer, you did announce plans to retire in May of 2024. And I do want to spend some time today talking about that and reflecting on your time in the role and all that you've accomplished. But to start, I'd like to go back to 1995 and start by asking you to paint a bit of a picture of what you inherited at the University of Tampa. You'd been there for a bit, but there were certainly some financial challenges and some very outdated infrastructure. Yes, that's true. In uh, 1995, why it was a very challenging uh, time period. The university was experiencing some enrollment declines and had some red ink. And they were, uh, the trustees were making a, a change. And that's when I stepped in, in January 1 of 1995. So I was in kind of a speed game, as I call it, meaning changes needed to be made rather quickly to get things turned around. Describe a little bit about what it was like. I mean, again, the campus looks nothing like it does today. And maybe there's some elements to the financial structure. I mean, it was a real turnaround. Can we get a little more granular about what you actually had to deal with in terms of that turnaround? Well, sure. I'll say we had been making budget adjustments uh, every year from, I'll say, about 91 on. Uh, we sort of began the fall year with enrollments that were shrinking. And so we had to cut our budgets. And then we often turn around and did the same thing in the spring semester. So things were clearly headed in the wrong uh, direction. Several dozen people were let go during this time. Some academic programs were discontinued. Morale was uh, injured and, you know, kind of low from dealing with all the budget cuts and downsizing and, and that kind of thing. So indeed required quick action. The enrollment leadership had been let go as well. So at the time I stepped in, why there was little time available for getting ready for the fall to come. So the fall of 1995 was going to be a very important year because the previous year had had had, had a disastrously small enrollment number of about 225 students in fall of 1994. So indeed, uh, quick action was was needed to get things squared away because we were very much dependent upon the enrollment revenues. The physical campus also, you know, you had some very outdated buildings, right? I mean, describe a little bit about what you encountered when you think about some of those. There was fairgrounds buildings, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I mean, we had uh, 70-some acres at the time, and that included the former state fairgrounds, which the state fair had been held on our campus until 1973. And of course, they were very old at the time I came in. I think the average age of all of the buildings on campus was about 50 years. 
Of course, Plant Hall was older than that since it had been built in 1891. Uh, so most of the buildings that we had had been hand-me-down buildings that were designed for something else, meaning they were apartment buildings for that became residence halls or they became uh, they were airplane hangars and, and they became maintenance buildings and things of that sort. So that was another challenge. I, I also viewed it as an opportunity because we only had, at the time, I think, five buildings that had been built for the university for the purposes that we needed. Everything else had been sort of uh, acquired or adapted for reuse. So we had only had, uh, I think, one building built in 86, a residence hall, and most of the others had been built in the other three or four had been built in the late 60s or 70s. So everything else was very old. And basically, when we inventoried them, uh, I knew that most of them had to be demolished or replaced. And only a few could be saved, and they would have to be totally rebuilt. Uh, so indeed, that was a, quite a facilities challenge. Uh, you have to literally rebuild the entire campus. Or if you look at it as an opportunity, you get to rebuild the entire campus. And that was a, a special opportunity. <laughs> well, in retrospect, in hindsight's 2020, wow, was it ever an opportunity? I mean, you have shown incredible leadership and been a guiding light to a series of state-of-the-art buildings on campus. You have statewide listeners for this podcast. So anybody who's been downtown and been to the University of Tampa campus lately would know this. But if you haven't, I lost count at about $600 million. And I know it's pretty clear how you feel about academic excellence, um, but when you consider the attention that you paid to arts, athletics, wellness, you know, much of that is based on campus experience. I mean, and then the placemaking piece, where did that inspiration come from? And, you know, obviously it's easy to look at it in hindsight now, but there must have been a point for which you really had to make some decisions about that opportunity and, and how you were going to invest. Well, yes. Uh, at the time I came on board, we did not have a comprehensive plan for the campus. And that was one of the first things I began developing rather quickly. And that's, of course, also why I needed to inventory all the buildings that we had to see what was saveable, what was reusable, or what just had to be replaced. And again, almost most of it had to be totally replaced. Uh, so there were only a handful, uh, half a dozen buildings that we wound up keeping and re rebuilding. Uh, so you did have to think ahead on what kind of facilities we needed. Um, you had to have some sense of how they would fit together on our campus and sort of a, a sequence. Uh, and I began developing this campus master plan, had the first one approved by the board in 96. And we executed that plan and updated the campus master plan again and again. And now most of that, uh, of those several campus master plans have been completed. And we're looking into the future one more time to see what else we might need in uh, 10 or 15 years ahead. It's always a process of looking ahead while looking back and that whole sort of, you know, yeah. having vision, right? I mean, it's it, it doesn't come easily. I had, of course, previously been on campus for about 10 years. So I had a good sense for who we were and 
and a better understanding of maybe what was needed. And for me, it was uh, a fairly straightforward task to think about uh, sequencings and needs and, you know, as you're trying to build a new university. Sure. And I think from what I've seen and observed, and I've been in, around a while now, is that there's a balancing act, though, too, because there's lots of commitment to academic excellence within the facilities and the physical plant. But you also have, you know, these incredible cultural elements and health and wellness and sort of that that balance of campus life that I don't know that the placemaking and given where it is and the juxtaposition in the heart of downtown, it had that at that point. And uh, and now you can look back and look at it as a cumulative thing that you've been able to achieve that. But I think that took some vision. Well, it did. But, you know, you, I always believe you got to think about the future to have one. And I thought a lot about the future. I would think about uh, the, the next few years, uh, the next five to 10 years. And then I would think further out to 10 and 20 years. And, and I would constantly update these capital improvement plans. So every year I would, you know, check off the ones that we had done and think further out and refine it a bit each time I would look at it. So we constantly thought about the future and what our needs might be. And that had to be dynamic also because we were growing at that time. We grew in the first fall fall of 1995, we quickly got the enrollment turned around that fall and uh, grew and never looked back. You know, we've grew every year since, a steady, moderate pace, but indeed that required us to continue investing in facilities that were also needed to support the growth and the academic needs of the university as well, as you point out. And you mentioned a bit about the the morale piece and what you inherited. I mean, obviously, it probably was not so great at that at the time. But did you begin to see that turn around and people believing in your vision? Because that can take some time. And often people get very accustomed to sort of how things are. And then when you have yeah. a change agent, it can be they can maybe react and not and be concerned about change. Right. I think. People were faced with the uh, necessity of, of changing because it's clear that we couldn't sustain a future on the path that we were on. So in that sense, it was somewhat easier because we had to change and change quickly and people sort of embraced that. So people rallied pretty quickly. You know, I still recall the very first uh, meeting I had with employees after I was coming back from the press conference and announcing my beginning as president. And when I walked into the employee room, there was enthusiasm, but there was more enthusiasm because I announced that, you know, we weren't going to cut our way out of this and reduce budgets out of this. So we had to grow and pursue uh, improvement. And, and that was a totally different direction. So we were going to grow, develop, and improve our way out of this. And, and that's exactly what we did. It's funny to think back about those moments and, again, hindsight of years and experience. But it's interesting that that particular meeting stands out for you. Yeah, it did. And it was kind of, you know, it was certainly spontaneous, but I think people were eager to get on with it and and to move forward. And we did. And, you know, I still remember, well, my very first weekend, you know, I was up here with 
faculty and others working on some improvements uh, on a on all day on a Saturday, and we we worked hard and made some things that we brought to the faculty rather quickly. That does stand out. <laughs> sure. And as I've gotten to know you, I know you do find some R and R and take take rest, but your work ethic is uh, somewhat unmatched. And uh-huh. it, it asked me, you know, part of that is to think about sort of where it all comes from. I, I know that before ascending, you mentioned you'd been on campus for ten years, and you know, before you were president, you were the Max H. Hollingsworth Endowed Chair of American Enterprise, and you served as the director of the MBA program and dean of the College of Business and Graduate Studies. So, you know, your academic foundations are steeped in this business education. What was the catalyst for that track? Had you always been interested in business as a younger person? I had been interested in business pretty much from the beginning. I I grew up in my uh, father's uh, small business, which was attached to our house. It was uh, a business that where he sold artificial arms, legs, and hearing aids and things of that sort. You know, you have to put go back in time. This is post-war. He had some special abilities in, in that field. And, and I kind of grew up in helping some with the business, as did my two other brothers. That's where it sort of began. And there were other influences along the way. But at one point, I got heavily involved with a uh, consulting business based in Peoria, Illinois. I had been a consultant to quite a variety of companies, uh, hospitals and Caterpillar Tractor that was based there in Peoria. And I acquired the test marketing research company there. The, you know, how does it play in Peoria? Uh, that was my company. And then developed that and grew that uh, up to six uh, locations and doing a couple thousand projects a year. So I was heavily involved in that. You know, I was used to stepping in and sort of assessing the, the situation and determining you know, what we needed to do and moving ahead. Anyway, so I'd become a fast learner on assessing situations and moving ahead with projects uh, during that time. That's interesting because that gives me some insight into an element of folks who live and work in business world, which is service. I mean, there is a big degree of, especially when businesses do provide either, you know, health, human service, whatever it is. In this case, I mean, the institution speaks for itself in terms of its role as an economic driver and as a as a source of workforce. But learning that about your early upbringing, I imagine that was part of it, too, especially given what your dad did. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It was. You know, you had to think about business development and customer service and different kinds of issues that you wouldn't maybe normally think intensely about. But that was our family's livelihood at at that time. So it was important. As I got into things at UT, I decided I wanted to be an academic entrepreneur. I could have pursued a different business career. I had those opportunities readily available, but decided, you know, I was not going to pursue my company development any further and basically, you know, disposed of it and moved on. So I've I've enjoyed developing the University of Tampa and helping it to grow and get better with the help of, of course, many people. 
Right. It's been a team effort. And needless to say, I mean, if you think about the university and your, you know, your entire village there, it's, um, you've been showing, showing the leadership, but it is, it's not, you know, it's been, it's been quite a, a collective effort to get to the, the success that you've achieved. But I also, as you talk about that, I, I think about proximity and the yeah. university being in the heart of downtown. Uh, and it's really been a major economic driver. And you've been, and maybe this was a, you know, obviously you didn't pursue your own entrepreneurial pursuits given the, the change in trajectory, but the school has obviously, a liberal arts institution isn't necessarily for undergrads to find, you know, it's not a trade school. I mean, um, you also work to, to develop graduate programs in terms of talent, but I think under your leadership, that whole entrepreneurial piece has been integral to its own growth. I mean, you've been able to achieve some of that just by you know, your own role as a community leader and and showing leadership in terms of, you know, the economic development institutions in town. Yes, uh, absolutely. And of course, we've grown from an institution that was about 28 million in operating revenue when I began uh, January 1 of 95. And now it's about 400 uh, million. So we've grown by 14 times or so. And we're still growing and getting better. And that's been one of the keys is a constant rhythm of getting better. UT President Ron Vaughn joining us. Next, how he rebuilt the campus when Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cash back energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash biz rebates. I know from having been privileged to be some of the first to tour some of the new buildings like the Furman Center for the Arts and some of your other incredible buildings. I mean, the detail and your attention to detail has been a key focal point for that. Some might call it micromanaging. But I think for you, I imagine it was very important to sweat the specifics, uh, being very concerned about the art in these buildings and the diversity of art. And we can get to diversity in general in a few minutes. But has that just been part of who you are to make sure that that you are in the trenches and in the heart of making each and every project a success? Well, I would describe it a little bit differently. Uh, Certainly early on, we were trying to shape a campus appearance because what we had uh, when I began was sort of a ragtag group of buildings with no continuity. So to have continuity and further develop a campus image and a university image, one has to pay attention to it. You can't just let it go in any every direction because it w- wouldn't accomplish what you're hoping in, in continuity and image. So that was important back then. And I helped to fill that gap with the help of others. And, and we developed design guidelines. I developed uh, early design guidelines too, to help shape that there. You know, there's a UT brick that every building doesn't have to look exactly alike, but you want a UT brick on it. And that UT brick was matched to a certain area of Plant Hall. That again, you would get a continuity of campus impression. So it looked organized and together and, and so on. And yet certain buildings do have distinctive elements, you know, like the, the chapel or the Furman Center of the Arts uh, and others to come that will have 
some distinctive elements as well as this common identity. So it was important to have the common identity. And because our focus was on quality, we had to focus attention on many of the details that linked to quality. So that was important. And not everybody got it, you know, right away. And so I had to develop an understanding of what we were trying to do. And, and now many take it for granted. And I might focus on other things uh, about a project. And make no uh, mistake, uh, we do involve plenty of others. Certainly on an academic building, the faculty are very important because we're not just building buildings. We're creating learning environments. And we're trying to work with the faculty to provide the very best of learning environments and tools in a facility. So we're listening and revising and and so on with, with their input is very important on the projects. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because it's an important point. And I did not know about the UT brick, but that design continuity and the importance of design is such a critical element. And so that insight is, is really interesting. And uh, talking about learning environments, just shifting gears briefly, and then we'll begin to wind up. Pretty interesting time for higher ed. Obviously, the recent Supreme Court decision on affirmative action has received a lot of attention. This has been, but in Florida, there's been regulation on the books for a long time. I, and I'm sure you've read very closely the opinions. What are some of your initial thoughts about its impact either on Florida higher ed or the University of Tampa? Well, I, as you note, uh, on the books since 1999, we had an executive order back during uh, Jeb Bush's uh, term as governor. And, and at that time, uh, there were mandates that uh, you know we would not use race as a factor in admissions, and we've been aligned with that since that time. And I think the same thing is true for probably every other school in Florida. So we were one of I I think it's been eight states that did that. Uh, you know, California and Texas and Michigan were some of the others, uh, but in all of these areas, we've been basically adhering to that that guideline since uh, 99. So not that much impact on us. And I think the other thing, so the biggest impact uh, is probably on schools like, you know, the ones that are mentioned, Harvard and UNC, because of the nature of their ultra competitive pool of applicants. And that's not the situation for many schools. You know, they don't have that kind of ultra competitive need and they they often don't have those kind of uh, experiences where they're denying others for uh, entrance. So I don't see a big change in the situation for Florida, but all the same, we have read most of the 237 pages of opinion, waited through that over the weekend. And of course, we're all uh, still reviewing our actions and trying to make sure that we're in proper compliance for the class that comes in next. Well, of course you read every page and spent the weekend <laughs> doing it, which I, <laughs> I am not surprised to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah, it was a little laborious to read through it, but it does help understand, you know, we... I mean, that's the devil's in those details. Um, I don't know if that's a bad pun, but it's really important for somebody in your position to know 
uh, you know, what the gist of these opinions are, because that's the beauty of the law and in terms of its interpretation. And it's a tricky time, I think, for higher ed in general, especially given that there's been a bit of a sea change around educational reform. I know that that as a private institution and not there's a little bit of state money, but very little. Have you have any concerns about some of the chilling effect that's happening around diversity, equality, access and inclusion? Well, I've heard a fair amount about that. And, um, you know, as an independent university, I'm glad that we have the freedom to pursue our own directions and what we see is important in our own curricula. Sure. That makes sense. Well, I want to begin to wind up and I'm grateful for your time. And it's just always a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. And I am curious about how you're feeling about this long glide way towards retiring next year. And I mean, I imagine that that's a bit of a bittersweet feeling. How are you planning to spend some of the found time that you have going forward? And how do you feel about this next eight or nine months here coming up where you have a kind of a long glide way towards passing over the baton? Uh, Well, there's no doubt that it's going to be an adjustment. And I'll just say uh, I've enjoyed my time and leadership and working with others to develop a great institution. I know the same is true of my wife, Renee. She's been a fantastic partner. And, you know, it's hard for either one of us to think about what we'll be doing next because we've enjoyed what what we've been able to do and and taking the university forward. And but, uh, you know, you, you think about, uh, is it time for somebody else to come in and make their mark on the university? And there's still so much that can be done for UT. And that's, that's what still excites me. And I think will excite the next person that comes in is there's, uh, uh, there's a bright future for UT. Uh, there's a lot more to be done than people realize. You know, there are projects to build, things on our master plan things that we're trying to do. So I think it'll be uh, quite an opportunity for somebody else. I'm planning to write a modest uh, book on kind of the these last 30 some years and kind of what, what all we've done and why and how and maybe offer some insights and some things that might benefit others. Uh, and there's still some other projects that I'll want to try to finish up in the coming couple of years. But as of May 31, you're right, I'll be handing the reins over to somebody new that uh, is no doubt uh, about to enter the president's search pool. (laughs) Wow. Well, that'll be quite a transition for you personally. I I imagine, uh, you know, it takes some adjusting, but I know you like to fish. You're a rod and reel guy, correct? I am. I'll be doing some fishing next week, actually, on my vacation. Oh, good enough. Where's your favorite fishing holes? I know they're in the Midwest, correct? Uh, well, this one's up in Canada, so I'm oh. forward to a few more Canadian trips. And, you know, I like uh, adventuring around a little bit on, on some of these fishing trips. So, yeah, there'll be more time for that. Uh, maybe a little time for consulting and working with some other businesses that need some help. Well, they will be none, you know, all the wiser for any interactions with you. And uh, we have months here, but, uh, you know, I've, I've really had enjoyed the chance to develop our relationship and get to know you and yep. watch uh, as you've evolved and, and done some great things for this community and for the University of Tampa. Well, thank you, Alexis. So you're always welcome up here. I need to give you a final tour. Deal. That sounds great. I'd be honored. 
listen, it's been great having you on the podcast, Ron. All righty. Well, thank you, Alexis. Best wishes. Take care. UT President Ron Vaughn joining us. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.